This is your guide to succeeding as an entrepreneurial leader. Whether you're in business, a parent, or part of a community project, we can all be entrepreneurial leaders. With your host, Jeanette Seibley, the Leadership Results Coach, and a variety of experts in leadership, you'll learn how to create extraordinary work and life results, stand up and speak up, make more money and have more fun, and get out of your own way. The biggest challenge is we don't like to ask for help and get stuck as do-it-yourselfers. Well, not anymore. Now here's your host, Jeanette Seibley, ready to help you become a successful entrepreneurial leader. Welcome. This is Jeanette Seibley, the Leadership Results Coach. How many of you have a passion for something in your life? Could be a craft, uh, exercise routine that you have found particularly valuable for you. Could be a kind of food that you enjoy eating, making, or get ready for this. It could be accounting and number crunching. Yes, I know for many of you that does not sound like a passion, but you know, we want to be inclusive. And for some people, number crunching is fun. So just saying. So how many of you would like to make that into a profitable business? Uh, too often we hear this quote called, follow your passion and make money. But like many quotes, it sounds great, but really doesn't have a lot of value since they don't know how to make it happen. Or they tell us how it happened for them, which a lot of times does not work for us. So my guest today is Deborah Jason, and she's going to share how the pandemic led her as a professional copywriter, speaker, and author to become an accidental artist. And as you know, by listening to my podcast, I love to share a quote that is personal to my guest. And here's the one from Deborah Jason. You never know what surprises you'll uncover when you venture down a new creative path. I just really love that. I'll probably post that one on my my monitor once we're done with the interview. So anyway, Deborah, welcome. Uh, thanks for being here and thanks for sharing your wisdom for our listeners. So how do you take passion and make it into a money-making business? Well, first, thank you for having me, Jeanette. It's great to be here. And what your listeners will probably find surprising, as you said, I call myself the accidental artist because I didn't even realize that this was a passion or that I could make money from it. So I don't know if you want me to go too far back, but in 2018, I have a colleague who posted some photos of art that she was doing. And they were really cool. They were abstract. And I asked her, what is that? She said, they're alcohol inks. So I'd never heard of such a thing. Wow. And, um, <laughs> many, people, many people hear alcohol inks and they think you're sitting with a glass of wine and you're painting. That's not what it or, is. Or an IPA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what happened was, I was visiting my brother in Santa Fe and my sister-in-law who's creative and does beading and knitting. He said, let's go pick up some of those alcohol inks. And I did, and I didn't know anything about how to use them. So I splattered some inks down, looked at what I had painted and went, nah, 
that's, I'm not good. This is not good. I'm not an artist. And I put the inks away. But as you mentioned, the pandemic rolled around. So in March, 2020, I was home. I'm on my computer a lot because I'm a copywriter and I needed to get off that computer. So I went, let's go find those alcohol inks. By that time, there were a lot of videos. There were Facebook groups with alcohol ink artists. I started to learn about different techniques. And um, when you ask, you know, how do you turn the passion into profit? um, It wasn't intentional. I posted a photo one day of one of my paintings and somebody reached out and said, are you selling that? (laughs) Did you say, no, of course not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my thought was, well, I could. And the first thing that I did was I have a fellow speaker, um, a good friend who's also an artist. I picked up the phone and I called her and I said, someone wants to buy my art. How do I price this? I have no idea. So I'm very grateful to her and to other artists because she shared a formula about how some artists priced their work. I sold my first piece. Um, And by the way, it was small. It was four inches by six inches. That woman, I'm grateful. She posted a photo of it and said, I need another one. So then she bought another one and it kind of rolled on from there. Wow. Um, I mean, I could go on. I turned them into pendants. I have done, as you know, hand-painted silk scarves, note cards, journals. And besides calling myself the accidental artist, it's called Creative Whispers of the Heart. Because basically, it was just following something from my heart. I do paint abstract. Um, You know, I don't paint like landscapes and portraits and still life. And sort of a, I think it's a funny aside, is I started college as a fine arts major. Oh, wow. (laughs) But I quit. (laughs) And I quit for two reasons. One, I did not like art history. (laughs) And two, I couldn't, I felt I could not draw. I couldn't draw a person. I couldn't draw a scene, a landscape. And I thought, how can I be an artist? You know, I do abstract. So... Fast forward many, many years, and now I'm an ex- what I call the accidental artist. Well, and I think that happened with a lot of people during the pandemic in that they created a lot of business opportunities accidentally. And I think that's what makes us really so cool is, you know, in, throughout history, like the Great Depression, there were more patents applied for and more entrepreneurs or business owners created during that time than a lot of other times during history. And I remember on Sunday, CBS Sunday morning, uh, I love watching that show, and they featured a DJ who made music on Zoom during the pandemic, mostly just to give some, some something to do, but also to help give to other people and is now headlining at Carnegie Hall. He followed his passion. Isn't that a cool story? I I loved watching. (laughs) He was the most humble guy. I mean, it was really cool. So you've talked about, you talked about what happened, but what, why, I'm not even sure what to say here, but it's sort of like, so you, you discovered what worked, but then how did you pursue it? Now, I know you have a background as an entrepreneur, so that was helpful, but 
for a lot of our listeners, they don't have that background. So what would you recommend to them to help them take it that next step? I guess first you have to decide, you know, when you have a passion, like we were talking about earlier before we got on the call, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's something you want to turn into a profit. You know, for me, it was accidental. But if you do something and you find like me, someone wants to buy your work and all of a sudden you go, hmm, maybe I want to do more of that. Maybe, you know, it would be nice to have some money coming from this. Look at um, ways that you get your message out there. Well, so, and I think that's important. But I think that if you take a step back, I think what was really, really, really important is you asked for help. But you didn't post it on Facebook and say, help. I mean, you would have gotten, you know, 50 other ways of how to or how not to uh, price your work and sell your work. Instead, you went directly to somebody who could help you and then followed what he had told you to do. So I think that's a big one is a lot of people don't know how to ask for help. Well, and to that point, you know, at that specific point, I didn't know about other artists and Facebook groups with Alcohol Inc. artists. So I reached out to an artist I knew. And I think that's a really important point because, and I'm this way, even though I did ask for help, it's hard to ask for help sometimes. It is. It really Um, is. Our ego gets in the way big time, doesn't it? Yes. (laughs) So I was very grateful and I was very fortunate to have this person that was one, someone I could call, but two, was willing help. Mm. Yes, I remember very early on in my copywriting business, you know, I reached out to some other copywriters. And there were one or two that were very willing to help me talk about starting your own business. But not everybody is they want to hold it close to their heart, because they feel like, Oh, I can't share my secrets. But my attitude, and I'm guessing yours is the same, Jeanette, is that the more that you give, the more that you get. Um, so you know, when agree. you ask for that help, Um, You know, people now I'm on a Facebook group where people ask, you know, how did you paint that silk scarf? I say, go look at my YouTube video. And they say, wow, thanks for sharing that. You know, how did you paint those ornaments? How did you paint that pendant? So the other step in that in asking for help is to see if there are Facebook groups, whatever platform, if you're on social media, if there are groups of people like that. So I have become involved in a group where there are very helpful artists. And if I, had I known them early on, I might've posted in that group, how do I price this? And many of them I know would have shared, you know, here's a formula I know, or here's what I do. Right. But that asking for help piece is really important. If you have an idea, but you're not quite sure how to get it out in the world, or maybe it's out in the world, but you don't know how to monetize it, if you do want to monetize it. Well, isn't there also then the back end where there's the business side of it? So you have to take in mind if you're selling something like art, there is a there are sales taxes. Um, there may be copyright issues or not. I mean, there's a lot of other business aspects to all of this that a lot of times gets overlooked. I know when people well, create create a book, you know what I mean? As mm-hmm. a lot of times they just want to find a, a a big name publisher to publish it for them but they forget all the nuances from a business perspective that must be honored well and i'm not so sure jeanette if it's 
that they forget or some of them don't know. Right. They don't know that they don't know. Um, yeah, they don't know what they don't know. And I know, and I know, um, for example, <laughs> I have a very dear friend who's a graphic designer, but when she started as a graphic designer, what she really loved was fine art. And she said at that time, and I even said this when I started with Alcohol Inks, that she was doing that for the love of fine art. And she felt like if she turned that into a business, she would lose her love for the art because now it's a business. And I felt a little bit like that because I had a colleague reach out to me. I sent out an email, you know, telling people about my art. And this one gentleman said, Deborah, you should do this and you should do this and you should change this because I put up a little web page. I wasn't seriously pursuing this as a business, but people were asking me about my art. So I'm like, okay, let me throw up the page. He had all, all this business advice. And I said, thank you for sharing but at this point right now, it's just something I'm doing for fun. I'm not turning it into a business. And so my concern then was if I turned it into a business, I would lose the fun. So mm. far, I have not. And I shouldn't say so far. <laughs> now I have not. Hopefully it won't become that way. But you do get in that, or at least I should say, I get into that mindset of, oh, gee, nobody's bought anything recently. You know, should I create a new product? And so then that started, you know, shifts it a little bit instead right. of just sitting down one day and going, I'm just going to paint today and I'm going to paint for me. And if someone happens to like it and wants to buy it, that's great. But if they don't, I'm painting for me because this is something that brings me joy. And it's like any business owner. There's going to be days where you make a lot of money or have a lot of oohs and ahs. And there's days where it'd be like crickets, not a thing. So well, that's just called point, being a business owner. Well, and to your point too about, um, you know, understanding all the nuances, you can start a business. Like when I started my business as a copywriter, you know, I didn't, I never been in business before. Mm -hmm. you know? So I had to learn about, oh yeah, you better keep records and, you know, keep uh, receipts. And, you know, <laughs> one, when I started my business, I didn't know how to get my message out there. There was no internet. You know, there was no social media. That's how I ended up writing my book was talking about, you know, how do you get your message out there? Um, so sometimes, you know, there's that saying of, you know, take one step at a time and seek progress, not perfection. Oh, and I love that. That's a great quote, too. That is perfect. Because I think too often we do do that. It's like, well, it's not perfect enough. It's not good enough. Or somebody might laugh at me or somebody might ridicule me. Guess what? they they probably will and it's one of those things where you just have to let it go and know that your tribe so to speak and in this case you're creating a tribe uh will support you well you know there's always lovers and haters and i don't know about you or maybe your listeners i'm sure there's somebody who can relate to this you could get a zillion compliments and flattering you know comments from people and they say how great and wonderful but just one negative one negative, and that's the one you folk I focus on. Oh, wait. Well, I think we all focus on that one negative. <laughs> Why did and that we, person say that? And then that? we dig that little rabbit hole, and then it gets a little too cozy, and then we use that as our excuse, and it becomes very overwhelming. So the point in that comment, and in, in, as Deborah, I'm sure, would support me on saying this, don't go there. <laughs> Get over well, it, and, as I would and say. And easier said than done. You know? Absolutely. Don't go there, or go back and look at all those positive comments. 
Exactly. You know? I remember a friend of mine who, who she just got beat up on something in a newspaper over a book she had published. And her daughter says, but mommy, go to the file cabinet under folder where it says all, you know, all the testimonials and read uh-huh. a couple of those. And that's exactly what she did. And boop, right back up and she was back in action. But that happens way too often. There's a lot of critics in the world. So, but it does bring me to another point is how do you, we talked about this before we started recording is how do we measure success? Because so many today are focused on success equates to money. And when we're talking about a project of passion, money and passion don't always go hand in hand, even though we're talking about how to take a passion and create money. I think one of the things we have to do is let go of our emotional attachment to that dollar. You know, that's an interesting point because a lot of my soul introspection in the last year, maybe more than a year, is what's my purpose? And a lot of people equate purpose and passion. And part of my holdup has been I equate purpose with something. It has to be something that makes me money. And I do have a colleague slash coach who's like, you know, it's bigger than that. So the question about success is, you know, everyone, I think, measures it differently. And yes, there are a lot of people, myself included, you know, many years ago, I measured it, especially when I started my business, (laughs) excuse me, by money. I'm a success if I had money in the bank, if I could pay my bills, if I could go take a vacation. But I think it's much bigger than that. For people, it could be success is you have an abundance of friends and love in your life. And I don't necessarily mean romantic love. I have a lot of love around me from friends and from family. Um, Success could be that you want to travel. You know, I have a friend who's a, what do they call it? A nomad, digital nomad. (laughs) And she runs her business from all around the world and the country. And that's her measure of success. Um, for some people, the success is, for example, maybe having a business at home, but that means they can spend time with their kids. Uh, so everyone has a different level of success. And yes, we all have bills to pay or a mortgage to pay, you know, want to put food in the fridge and clothes on our back. Um, but just as we're talking about this, I'm thinking, you know, you can have your business success. You can have your personal success. Um, They could blend or you could say, you know, okay, for me, my business, I feel like it's successful if I have X amount of dollars in the bank. But my personal life, I feel like that's successful if I can spend time with my kids or work out three times a week at the gym or go for a hike, you know. So I can't say what it is for everyone that's listening. Um, but for me, it's, you know, a combination of all of the above, (laughs) but, you know, I have this, uh, I don't know if it's right to call it a disease, but an affliction that I call comparisonitis. I think a lot of people have that. (laughs) And, you know, they're like, we just said moments ago, we were talking about, you know, you can get all these compliments and one negative one, and that's what you focus on. So I have lots of people that say, your art is great. And oh my God, you know, you're just blossoming in your art. It keeps getting better and better. And then I'll be on a Zoom call with fellow artists and we do paint alongs on Zoom. 
Oh, wow. And everyone shows their work and I'll go, oh, Jeanette's piece is so much better than mine. <laughs> and Jeanette's sitting there going, oh, Deborah's piece is so much better than mine. <laughs> So, Isn't it funny yeah, how that happens? <laughs> Ours is never good enough. <laughs> right, right. And so, you know, one one piece of advice that I like to give people is to, you know, try to avoid that comparisonitis. And it's much easier said than done um, because I think it's just human nature, you know, to go, oh, her clothes are nicer than mine or that car is nicer than mine. But the most satisfaction I think it comes from being at peace with yourself, you know, and, and for like, some people oh, that would define success is being yes. at peace with themselves. Peace. So I think that, I think that's a great point. Um, and back to passion. I think sometimes we get too caught up in the words passion and purpose. Like there's something that um, if we could just find that niche would take care of all our problems in life. And guess what? It doesn't. So for everything, every step you're going forward, you may be leaving some of that stuff behind, but there's something new coming up and it doesn't have to be bad. It's like Deborah pointed to be, be open and willing to ask for help, but make sure yeah. it's the kind of help that helps. So I think that's the key there. Yeah. You know, I, it's, um, I can't think of the right word, but it's, um, challenging, and that's not exactly the word I'm looking for, but there are people out there who you think you should ask for help, and they aren't really as supportive as you think they were. <laughs> so not be. that they guide you <laughs> in the wrong direction, but, um, you know, I think you mentioned this early on. I can't remember if it was before we were recording or not, but, you know, there are so many people out there going, you know, make six figures in six days, you know, and they share their formula, their formula doesn't necessarily fit for you. And you it know? may have only or, worked that one time for them. It may not be something that's replicable. Right. So I yeah. think that's, that's critical to keep in mind too. I know I've seen a lot of people, um, find somebody that they think is going to help take them to the next level. And either they don't do the work or they're expected to do the work in such a way that doesn't fit them, their life and what they want to pursue. So there's like a mismatch. And I think a lot of times people need to learn how to ask questions, really listen and be clear. What do I want to get out of this? So uh, I think that's really important is I have this passion I'd really like to take this and make some money from it, but is that really what I want to get out of it? Is that my passion? Is that my purpose? Is that my value, goal, whatever you want to, word you want to insert in there? Well, I mean, it's different for different people, of course. Exactly. Um, and I think there are probably people out there pursuing their passion, but they may not call it a passion. You know, they no. may not even be aware that this was their purpose. Um, and whatever you're doing, as long as, you know, I like to think of it as, does it bring you joy? You know, I think you were talking, before we got on the call, we were talking about having fun. <laughs> um, you know, I remember many years ago, my dad, bless his heart, um, was a certified public accountant and he was very, um, 
was sort of firm about, you know, going to college and getting an education. And so I have a master's degree in communication disorders. I was a speech pathologist in the public schools, but I wasn't happy. And when I told my father I was going to change, you know, quit my job and change careers, he didn't get it because his generation was, you don't work for the fun of it. You work to support your <laughs> family. You know? Yeah. Job <laughs> satisfaction. What's that? <laughs> and he loved his job. You know, he eventually had his own business. He was one of my role models, but you know, he loved numbers. You talked about that earlier. You know, your passion might be that you like being an accountant. Well, he loved his job, <laughs> but he didn't quite understand at that point in my life, why I would leave security. You know, I didn't know what I was going to do next. Um, and you work because you need to work because you have bills to pay. Many years later, fast forward, I was in a job where I wasn't happy and I had moved back to New York and was living actually with my dad. And when he saw I wasn't happy, he was like, I think you might need to leave that job. And I'm like, my father's saying that? <laughs> the man who says you, you stay, you know, you stay because you have to, you have to pay those bills. So, he, you know, he finally shifted. He still continued to have his own practice as a certified public accountant. And he worked until the day he died. But, you know, everyone's, whether we call it passion or purpose, it's different for different people. Yeah. And we're not advocating, folks, uh, for those of you who are listening, to, to give up your day job and just pursue <laughs> the passion. I mean, let's be realistic here. But well, having a goal in mind for 2023 <laughs> that may be pursuing something that you're passionate about might be a great goal and keep your day job until the other surpasses the income that you're making from your day job. Which And to that is, point... You know, my art, it's not my day job. Right. <laughs> I still have a business as a copywriter and as a speaker. And yeah, part of the signs I'm getting is maybe it's time to shift more to my art. But it's right now a side hustle for those people that use that phrase. You know. <laughs> <Or> a gig. <laughs> <laughs> right. So on that note, I want to say, Deborah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your insights. And uh, thank you for being my guest today. And to wrap up, this is Jeanette Seibley. Until next time.